This is Everyday Wellness, a podcast dedicated to helping you achieve your health and wellness goals and provide practical strategies that you can use in your real life. And now here are your hosts, clinical health psychologist, Dr. Kelly Donahue and nurse practitioner, Cynthia Thurlow. Hello, today we have for over 20, we have Dr. Carolyn Sell for over the last 20 years. She has been helping career-driven women overwhelmed by the anxiety and panic attacks to get off and stay off medication and put an end to their symptoms using a natural approach that balances their brain chemistry and permanently changes their behavior so they can rediscover their motivation, build their confidence, and get their life back on track. Dr. Terrellin holds multiple degrees and certifications in the areas of psychology, counseling, and neuronutrition. These qualifications are greatly enhanced by her own personal life path, having experienced and overcome many of today's common issues herself. In other words, she can help you through the shit that scares you because she's been where you are. Dr. Terrellin is not a believer in just throwing a prescription at the problem, which seems to be the blanket solution to stress anxiety, and depression in our current society. She instead encourages a holistic approach to overall wellness, which results in lasting change, a healthier state of being, and a happier you. In addition to being a licensed therapist, coach, and counselor, Dr. Terrellin is also an author of the book, Kick Off Your Damn Heels, How to Quit Anxiety and Live a Badass Life. She is the co-host of the edgy and inspiring national podcast series, Kick Off Your Damn Heels, which guides you into the confidence you need to take charge of your life, exhibit mental toughness, and flow. She and her guests provide you with practical, holistic solutions to fight anxiety, depression, and how to improve your mental health. Welcome. We're so excited to have you. Jeez, I should have. I I figured you guys would like chop that down a little bit. That was a lot. (laughs) There's a lot to say about you, so I think we needed to include it. All right. I'll go for that. Oh, well, can you give us kind of a, maybe a step back in time and tell us how you became interested in all of these things? Oh my gosh. So <clears throat> I used to work in the prison system. Oh. That's, that's where I originally got my therapeutic chops, if you will. Right. So, so now, I mean, I always call that experience extremely extreme because yeah. um, not only was it in the prison system, I worked in maximum security for a little bit. And then oh, I worked wow. in, um, it's the place where the mentally ill inmates end up going for like, we call them like tune-ups, right? Wow. And then they would go back out. So that's where I got my original um I don't know, psychology skills. So now, you know, people look at me and they're like, oh, I'm probably the worst client you've ever had. You have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) Like, no, not even close. Um, But I remember it was back then where I kept thinking like, why are these guys so, you know, getting into fights and angry and just, you know, there was masses amounts of medication being distributed within the prisons. And I came across an article about omega-3 fatty acids I was going to say fatty acids, omega-3s, and that the research said that they gave inmates omega-3s and it reduced the amount of fights that they had while they were incarcerated. And I brought it into um, a treatment planning session that we had. And I said, look at this. I found this article. What if we gave these guys some omega-3s? You know, what would happen? And I pretty much got laughed out of the room. I was like, uh. Well, that did not go well. That did not go well. Um, And so, but I thought, gosh, there's definitely something to this, right? So I kind of put that on the back burner. And then I started some part-time private practice 
And I noticed people on the outside coming in sicker and sicker and sicker, same thing, more and more medication, you know, and, and I was a really good steward to psychiatry. I'd be like, well, maybe you should go back and get a, you know, an adjustment or, you know, more medication or something, something's off here. And I thought this, I don't even feel good telling you this stuff anymore. Right. Um, so then I just started really diving into neurotransmitter repair and I fell into amino acids and all these things. And I thought, why are we not talking about this stuff? Like, why, where's the disconnect here? You know? And I started realizing that I, if you're sitting on my couch and you're anxious and, you know, jittery and all this, like, I can't help you think your way out of this Mm -hmm. or talk your way out of a physiological problem that's happening. And at the very basic, like, just even asking them, or did you even eat today? Or what did you have today? It was like a very basic question that was super enlightening. Um, Cause most of the responses were, nope. I don't even know the last time I ate or nope, but I had coffee and you're sitting there just shaking, shaking, shaking. I'm like, mm. do you think there's a correlation here? You know, like some of this stuff is not rocket science. It's just not. And but still, there's there's a little bit of a pushback, you know, especially being a therapist. Like, why are you asking if they ate anything? I'm like, because it's relevant. You know, it's, it's extremely relevant. You know, if if your anxiety is a 10 right now and if you eat a little protein or something and it brings it down to a seven or an eight, isn't that better than a 10? And medication's not going to change that. So I really got extremely passionate about about it. Um, so that's why I love coming on shows like this with you guys. You guys are rock stars in this. And I'm like, well, yes, this is so great. <laughs> like the three amigos. <laughs> and, and let's be honest, you know, you started with your discussion about, you know, you started your mental health practice working with you know, a truly underserved population, you know, mm-hmm. maximum security prison, my medical training started in inner city, Baltimore, definitely extreme. And, and when I first, you know, left Baltimore and moved to the Washington DC area and people would say, Oh, same thing. This is probably the worst thing you've ever seen. I'm like, no, not by no. a mile. No, no, not even close. Not by a mile, but I do <clears throat> find it fascinating. I know Kelly's on the same page about this, that all of us, you know, worked in the traditional kind of Western medicine mindset mm-hmm. perspective. And we've kind of shifted away from some of that dogma. We see clearly there's relevancy when people are acutely ill, whether it's physically or mentally. Right. However, the power of nutrition is undeniable. And so, you know, much like for myself, I got tired of writing prescriptions. I was like, there has to be a better way. Why have we gotten so far away from what our bodies are intrinsically designed to do? And what's interesting, and, and I've gotten very familiar with Trudy Scott's work, which I'm sure you are oh, yeah. a, you know, a complete expert on, but for me, it was really powerful not being a mental health per, uh, professional that when I first read her books, I was like, are you kidding me? And I would have people that I'd pull them off of gluten and dairy and all of a sudden their yes. anxiety is gone. Mm-hmm. Or I would find people once they got away from a standard American diet, mm-hmm. all of a sudden this overriding profound depression would lift. And I thought to myself, you know, it all starts with food. I always say that it all starts with food. But I think I'm I'm grateful that there are providers like you that are spreading this information and and thinking outside the box with your patients, even talking about fatty acids. And for those that are listening, you know, omega-3s are 
um, you know, a great source of fatty acids and, and in our bodies because of the amount of processed foods that we consume. We've got imbalances between omega-3s and omega-6s. One inflames, one de-inflames, if there's any way to over-explain that. And so we have a proliferation of rampant omega-6 use because of the processed foods, seed oils, et cetera, not enough omega-3s. And so things like sardines and whether it's supplementation form, obviously, if you're in a prison, you're not going to be getting like, you know, um, you're very unlikely that you're going to get wild caught salmon or wild caught. Oh, wild I, I remember. Um, yeah. And well, I have to backtrack because, excuse me, <clears throat> I did say omega-3 fatty acid. And I thought I was like, why did I say fatty acid? Because I no, was no, getting no, that. I was right. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're totally right. But <laughs> I, think sorry. It, I think people don't realize that we really do have, we're supposed to have this balance between the two, like a 20 to one mm-hmm. ratio. Right. One to one, excuse me. And what it's really become is a 20 to one far more omega-6s, which are, you know, very pro-inflammatory and very little omega-3s. So definitely problematic. Well, I remember in the prison, like there would be guys and they would order, well, they could order canteen, right? Mm -hmm. And so a lot of them would order Doritos and, you know, sodas and all this stuff, but some of them were loading up on peanut butter. And, and I would ask them like, why are you, why so much peanut, this like early in my career, why so much peanut butter? And they're like, I really, I just feel like I need more protein. Like they, and that was all they could get, you know, outside of what they were served. Right. So they were like eating spoonfuls of peanut butter. (laughs) It was probably like super generic peanut butter. I don't know, but you know, but they're still like, they're, Mm -hmm. that was the only thing they could get their hands on. And what strikes me now is this idea that they knew Mm -hmm. they needed protein or something more. And that was how they foraged for it to get it. Like, to me, this goes back to those conversations of, you know what you need. We Mm -hmm. just need to get it, Mm -hmm. you know? And so even in those moments, they knew what they needed and they got it through peanut butter. I don't know. You know, that was the best they could do. I mean, I do look at things of like good, better and best, right? I mean, speaking my language. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, most people think that food is so expensive and I'm like, it can be, but Mm -hmm. you know, even if you're shopping food pantries, there's good, better and best, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's all, there's a big variation of things that we can do and try to improve things just a little bit, you know? And I know that, you know, I get very passionate about this stuff and I want to give my clients all the information. Like yes. here's my word vomiting all the information because I know <laughs> it's going to help you. Yeah. And I've learned the hard way mm-hmm. that I'm like, okay, here's this tiny little bit of information. Mm-hmm. Take that. Do it. Yeah. And do that thing. And you'd be surprised yeah. how many people can't even do that. Mm-hmm. You know, the totally. tiniest little bits. So, you know, starting small or the people that want, you know, you give them a tiny bit and they're like, why didn't you give me all the information? I'm like, cause I'm thinking you would have been too overwhelmed with all of it, you mm-hmm. know? So you don't even know it's, it's just, it's a hard conversation, but I, I wish more therapists like me would at least have some basic understanding of nutrition on the, on the, but right now in our society, we look at nutrition a lot for only weight loss, mm-hmm. you know, like, um, so even me, when I say, especially to women, like, well, you might want to have a little bit more protein because I can tell that you probably have, you know, a reactive hypoglycemia or, you know, some stress related to imbalanced blood sugars. And I get, oh, is that going to make me gain weight? I'm like, mm. 
you know, like our diet culture kind of plays a huge role in mental health and we don't even realize it, you know? Totally. And so many of the foods that we're eating are actually causing anxiety and depression. For sure. Yeah. I want to comment on something you said about how it seems like there really aren't a lot of therapists and practitioners that are working with mental health that are focusing on, or even considering this. And, you know, I totally agree. And I've been in private practice for 12 years or so as a health psychologist. So always had this idea that health was multidimensional to -hmm. include our mental health. Um, But I didn't really know how to enact that until uh, Cynthia and I went through our nutrition training together and then the pieces started falling together. But I have noticed more and more of those CEU flyers that you get hundreds of (laughs) are, are focused on integrative health and some have a nutrition component too. So I hope that's a sign of more providers becoming educated and having that information available to more people. I do too. And I've, I've seen some of those come through as well. I've taken some of them. And I think mm-hmm. the first one I saw was probably five or six years ago. It was called beyond fish oil. And I was like, yes, <laughs> <laughs> that marketing was spot on for you. Right, wasn't exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like just say what it is. So yeah. yeah, I, you know, it's funny because I don't know. I mean, so Kelly, you're in practice. So, um, how much of a pushback do you get? Cause I often get a little bit of a pushback from other professionals, um, you know, that are watching what I'm doing. I I've had, my peers have actually reached out to me on Facebook. I'll never forget this. And of course I blocked them cause you know, that's empowering and I can do that. Um, they said, <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, right. They yeah. said, uh, you know, you're ruining your reputation by oh, doing all this stuff. And my response back was then so be it. That's what I said. Then so Good be it. For you. So, yeah, yeah. Cause I was like, I, what, I'm not going to be peer pressured into not seeing these things when they could truly, truly help people on a very deep level. And, you know, like I said, nutrition is not hard, but I think we also overcomplicate that, you know, yeah. there's, there's so much out there, do this, don't do that. Eat these things. Don't eat that. Don't touch that. You know, it'll, you know, make things worse, but I think we can make it a lot more simplified, well, you know? It's interesting. I worked in cardiology as a nurse practitioner for 16 years. I like Mm -hmm. to provide context. And (laughs) a lot of the drugs I prescribed impacted cognition and brain health profoundly. Yes. I, I've I've worked through all this. I have gotten to a point where I'm I'm in a healthy place. Yeah. About patients. We would look at numbers. And I give total cholesterol as an example. We get very fixated on that. And it was like lower is better. Well, lower might've been better for the value that we were looking to achieve, but lower isn't better as it pertains to, um, you know, your your depression now. Correct. And I I can't tell you how many people, and I think about this now with profound sadness because I didn't know any better. Uh, you know, I might've been managing their vascular disease perfectly, but their neurobiology, their neurohealth was suffering. And I have two parents, um, both of him, whom have been on statins, um, one not for very long and we got her off, but my my father, and I've seen the impact on his neurocognitive abilities and it's profound. And I just think we're not having enough of those conversations. And so I put this out into the universe in the hopes maybe it'll educate someone else too, that sometimes we aren't thinking about these chronic disease states and the medications that we're using, whether it's for mental or physical um, disease states uh, that have long-term cognitive impact that doesn't really benefit 
our patients at all. And so, you know, it, like much what your, your point was, is that we kind of take the nutrition piece out and yet that is where everything should start from really. And truly, if we really want to have a healthier population mentally and physically, we need to have some tough discussions about food because the food industry in many, many ways has convinced us that we don't know how to cook and that cooking's inconvenient and that, you know, processed quick foods are going to be better. And we've just kind of knocked out this, this normal way that our bodies are, you know, gravitating towards wanting particular kinds of foods. Uh, you know, sometimes, sometimes people come out of surgery and they want, you know, they want meat and they want vitamin C rich foods because they're anemic. I mean, intrinsically right. our bodies will crave exactly the foods that they need. So that's my little like support. protein, right. Yeah, and exactly. yeah, you know, and so it's interesting. And I, I have, well, maybe it's because, you know, I'm in my fifties now that I have friends, but they're still in their forties and things, and they're going on cholesterol medication and they're mm -hmm. doing all these things. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm like, these are old people problems, right, like, right. you know, yeah, and right. <laughs> they're my, my generation, you know, whatever, <laughs> you know, but I, I'm like, this is crazy that you guys mm -hmm. are all on these cholesterol meds and what is that going to do? to you later, mm -hmm. you know, things like cataracts and all this stuff. And I'm like, what? Like, yeah. you know, it's, it's mind blowing to me. Um, a couple of years ago, when my, my father passed away from lung cancer <clears throat> almost three years ago and he was in the hospital going through all this stuff. And I kept saying, let's focus. This is before he was, things were real dire. I'm like, let's focus on some, you know, maybe some curcumin mm -hmm. and maybe some vegetables and just like eating a lot cleaner and trying to do it. And I'll never forget. And if my mom's listening to this, sorry. Um, we got into a little head to head about the whole thing because she's like, well, they served him um, beef stew today. And there were some little peas and carrots in there. So he got his vegetables. And cause I was floored at how poor the nutrition mm -hmm. was in the hospital, you know, with these. Yeah. yeah. And I remember him seeing a nutritionist at the cancer center that he was at. And I'm looking at the food list and I'm like, there's tons of like Franken food on here. And yeah, I'm like, what? Like things have been short, like drink all these cans of insure and eat ice cream. Yes. Yeah, that was that. on there. Anything mm -hmm. to yeah. gain weight. And they're, they do that now with kids on ADHD medication, mm -hmm. you know, cause they don't have an appetite. Well, if you don't have an appetite, you're not, you know, fueling your neurotransmitters or right. getting those nutrient cofactors in. And so just let them eat anything. And I'm like, that's not helping. Like it's mm -hmm. not, it's so not helping. Um, so again, like there's some tiny little changes we can make to just build. Do you find yourself struggling to get a good night's sleep? If so, you may be dealing with a hidden mineral deficiency. It is not at all uncommon in perimenopause and menopause to deal with sleep challenges. And we know that one of many contributory reasons for poor sleep can be a reduction in specific minerals that help regulate sleep quality, including magnesium, which is involved in GABA, which is our body's main calming neurotransmitter. We also know that we need potassium to create melatonin. And this is a hormone that is a master antioxidant, but is also utilized to help induce sleep. We also think about things like zinc, which can balance excitatory neurotransmitters like glutamate. And if it's overactive, meaning if your glutamate levels are too high, it can prevent your brain from becoming more relaxed and inducing sleep. 
And lastly, selenium increases both our deep sleep and sleep duration. All these minerals matter a lot for sleep and any imbalances or deficits can have a major impact on the quality of sleep you get each night. And that's why I love Beam Minerals. They offer a full spectrum mineral supplement that gives you every essential mineral your body needs in the right doses, all in a highly absorbable liquid form. All you do is take a shot of bean minerals about an hour before bed. Don't worry, it tastes like water. And you'll replenish all of your body's minerals in about 30 seconds and give your brain what it needs for deep restorative sleep. I've been using this product over the last several months. I've really been impressed with the improvement in my sleep metrics, which I like to share on social media with my followers. And if you want a simple way to improve your sleep, head over to www.bminerals.com and use code Cynthia for 20% off your first order. That's www.bminerals.com and use code Cynthia for 20% off your first order. Today's podcast is sponsored by NutriSense. It combines cutting edge technology and human expertise so you can see how your body responds to different types of nutrition, stress, exercise, sleep, and where you are in your menstrual cycle in real time. And by pairing a continuous glucose monitor with their app and expert nutritional guidance, NutriSense can help you reach your health goals. And the best part is it's not just a program where they send you the CGM and you have to figure it out on your own. Each subscription plan includes one month of free expert nutritionist support. Your nutritionist will work with you one-on-one interpreting your data and providing customized advice to help you reach your health goals. The last time I had my CGM on, my registered dietitian and I troubleshooted over some specific concerns that I had. And whether you're aiming to lose weight, stabilize your energy, or just feel better overall, NutriSense offers the guidance and support you need. And lasting sustainable change takes time and can be achieved through a longer term subscription. That's why I encourage my patients and clients to consider three, six, or 12-month subscriptions where it's actually less expensive and allows you to not only achieve your goals, but also to ensure that you stick to your healthy lifestyle for the long term. As I've mentioned before, I have found the CGMs I have used through NutriSense to be incredibly insightful, specifically to carbohydrate tolerance. I would not have known that plantains spiked my blood sugar without this information. It's also been hugely helpful for tailoring to workouts and sleep quality. And so for me, even though I am metabolically healthy, I find the insights to be particularly helpful to tailor my lifestyle changes to my blood sugar. Visit NutriSense.io slash EWP and use the code E. WP for $30 off plus one month of free nutritionist support. Be sure to let them know you're a listener of the Everyday Wellness Podcast when they ask you how you heard about them. This is one of my favorite ways to take care of my health and one of my top recommendations for all of my patients and clients. Build from there. Like I always start with just protein, you know, if nothing else, start there. You know, that's kind of my mantra. Um, and so people think that you have to walk around with like a turkey leg in their mouth or something all day long, but you know, you don't, there's, there's creative ways to get protein, you know, but it is fascinating. But the one thing that, you know, kind of getting back to an earlier conversation, like the one big food change I made for myself, it's probably been about two and a half years now was eliminating gluten. Mm-hmm. And once I did that, like my energy level came back, yeah. you know? Um, and I thought, 
you know, I mean, that, that could have always been thought of like, well, she's got low lying depression. She's got these things. And I'm like, I just had an intolerance to gluten. (laughs) Thank you very much. You know, and people think that's like, wow, you gave up gluten. I'm like, it's really not as hard as you think. Mm -hmm. Like it really isn't. And then I get the pushback of, yeah, but it's really expensive to go gluten-free. I'm like, what are you talking about? Oh, right. If you go out and buy gluten-free chips and gluten-free breads and gluten-free, it is pricey. Mm -hmm. Don't do that. (laughs) <laughs> you know, for your wallet just, and your help. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So yeah. again, we complicate everything and, yeah. you know, we, and we live in enough of a complicated world that we don't need to complicate the food, you yeah. know, on the end of our fork. So, yeah. I love that you said your energy came back because to me that implies that it was already there. We just had to remove the blocks, right? <laughs> right. So that goes back to that idea that our bodies know what to do and mm-hmm. they're designed to heal themselves if we just take away the roadblocks. So that's that's what you did in that situation. Yes, because I am extremely driven. <laughs> yeah. So right. And um so now I mean it was it was interesting because it's the things that you don't notice when you take something away. Like you don't notice fatigue anymore. You don't notice irritability. Like you just feel normal again, you know, and nobody wants to say, well, it's probably because I, I'm not eating gluten anymore. But for me, when I ate gluten again, cause I took it out for like six months and then I ate it again just to see, you know, and I didn't feel stomachache. I didn't feel like digestion problems or any of that stuff. 24 hours later, I could barely keep my eyes open. I felt fatigued and I went, that couldn't be like, this is coincidental. And so then I, I stepped away from gluten again and I did it again in like another week, same thing, 24 hours later, uh, you know, like this intense fatigue. And I thought, this is how I'd been living. Mm -hmm. Like this intense, like I've been like just trying to power through it, you know, the whole while, if I would have just not had gluten, I would my eyeballs wouldn't have been so gummy, you know? <laughs> you know? I don't know about you, but I like to enjoy a nice glass of wine after a long day or with friends on the weekends. But the problem that I've encountered is that many wines have chemicals like pesticides or way too much sugar, which damages your health and sleep. Cynthia and I are both big proponents of sleep, so anything that damages our sleep is a no-go. We did some research and we found a company called Dry Farm Wine. They're the only health-focused natural wine club in the world. Their wine is all natural and additive-free, and it's lab-tested for purity, sugar-free, and low alcohol, so you can enjoy the taste of good wines without the massive chemical or sugar intake that can cause so many issues. When you join the Dry Farm Wine Club, you can choose how often you'd like to receive wines, you can choose monthly or every other month, or how many you'd like to receive, and you can choose the kind of wine you like. I prefer reds. As a special gift, if you sign up with our link, you can get a bonus bottle of pure natural wine with your first order for just one penny extra. That's right, one penny for an extra bottle of wine. Visit the link in the description to claim your bonus bottle of natural wine and join the Dry Farm Wine Club. Cheers. Well, I'd love for you. I know that the three of us are fully understanding of cofactors and neurotransmitters, but for the benefit of our listeners who may not be as familiar as with those terms, could you explain that a little bit just so that they 
have a, a fully cohesive understanding. And, and I know that they've heard us talk about that we have the bulk of our neurotransmitters in our gut anywhere from 80 to 85%. So it makes sense that what we eat impacts our neurotransmitters. But if you right. could share, you know, your insights, that would be super valuable. So, you know, neurotransmitters are those chemical messengers that pretty much handle everything, right? And so for the sake of this conversation, it's like the ones that handle mood, um, mood and energy levels and things like that. So the big hitters that people usually talk about are serotonin and dopamine, right? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. serotonin, um, and unfortunately, um, a lot of modern medicine only hits up serotonin, right? Um, so most people are on like SSRIs, which is a serotonin reuptake inhibitor. Mm-hmm. So they're really just kind of messing with your serotonin a lot. The, the problem is, is that most of the depression that I see is more dopamine related. Mm-hmm. It's lack of drive, ambition, concentration, focus, all of that stuff. And I tell people like, if you have like uh like this fatiguey eyebrow forehead thing. Like it's all, it feels like you could shut your eyes at any moment. That's probably dopamine, not serotonin or a combination of the two things. Um, but what happens is, is that, you know, we, we make and break down neurotransmitters all day long without even knowing it. Um, so serotonin will then, um, for lack of better words, produce melatonin and help us sleep. Um, And so there's like this neurotransmitter pathway that starts with foods in tryptophan, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, most people think of turkey, right? But actually I can tell you bacon has more tryptophan than turkey. Most people like to hear that, right? Mm, (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But, you know, but then to make that whole chain of chain happen, you have to have those nutrient cofactors, which like your B vitamins, vitamin C, vitamin D, magnesium, you know, they all need to be in there. They, I always say they all have to play together at the party to make this whole thing happen. You know, yeah. um, same thing with dopamine. It's pretty well similar cofactors, but you also need cortisol in there to dopamine to adrenaline um, for that whole thing to happen. Cortisol is that stress hormone, which so many of us are Um, deficient in or imbalanced somewhere in cortisol. So that's why a lot of times that dopamine pathway Mm -hmm. feels like a low level depression because you're not even fighting stress anymore, you Mm -hmm. know? So um, but that's, I don't know, did I do a good enough job of breaking that down for y'all? Like, <laughs> no, no, that's super helpful. And I think, yeah. you know, people are probably familiarized with, they know they've heard serotonin, they've heard dopamine, mm-hmm. might've heard GABA, right? really understand like how they all play a role. So the anxiety piece by GABA and whether or not that's being properly broken down is all super well, helpful. Same thing with, um, you know, I don't mean to just focus on dopamine, but if a neurotransmitter is imbalanced, whether they're low levels or too high, you're going to experience like very similar um, symptoms, right? So mm-hmm. your serotonin, dopamine, and GABA could be really low and you still have depression, anxiety, or they can be really high and you can experience that same thing. So that's why this is like a, it's like a puzzle, you yeah. know, to, to figure yeah. out what's really going on and Um, what symptoms you have that are really kind of running the show for you. So um, I think we automatically assume that they're depleted. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know modern medicine assumes that, well, if you're sad or depressed, like your serotonin is low, Mm -hmm. Um, but it's not always, you know, I mean, there's functional labs you can do that kind of can piece this out a little bit better. Mm -hmm. Um, That actually works really well. So 
Yeah. And I think what you're talking about is the word that Cynthia and I say on pretty much every podcast, <laughs> oh, which geez. is bio-individuality. Yeah, right? really, yes, exactly. <laughs> really Everybody's individual. Yeah. Yes. yeah. I think Did you can, name the podcast that? It should just be named that. Oh, it should. That's a great idea if we need yeah. to rebrand. Right. <laughs> um, I think Cynthia and I have both been seeing clients with more anxiety or clients who come in mm-hmm. for one thing and also have anxiety. And you know, you're talking a little bit about nutrients and how those contribute to neurotransmitters and how we need to have the right combination of those to reduce anxiety. But mm-hmm. I'm wondering if you can talk about some of the other contributors to anxiety that you see in your practice. Hmm. Your life? <laughs> is, that, is that enough? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like we like to stay in situations that uh, suck, you know, and, and expect to thrive in them. So a lot of times anxiety I see is like built around that, like the inability or I don't want to say lack of a desire, but to make changes that have to be made, you know, whether that's interpersonal changes, work changes, you know, routine changes, um, consistency changes like that. Um, you know, and, and I say, so part of my story with anxiety is me, my final job that I worked for the state was, um, I was a big supervisory role and I hated it. And my body told me every day that I hated it and I shouldn't have been there. And I literally had a panic attack every day on the, on the ride home. So I, I remember it was about six months straight and I'm like, I can't keep doing this. And I just lose my marbles on the drive home. And, um, I remember one day pulling into the driveway I went inside, you know, do the mom thing again. And I said to my husband, I said, I got to quit. I have to quit. Like it's either quit or I'm going to die. Like I literally felt like I was dying this slow, torturous death, you know, of anxiety. And I was able to quit. I was already in part-time private practice at that point. So I could just build on that. And I understand that not everybody can make such an extreme Mm -hmm. decision. But once I did, it felt like the weight of the world off my shoulders. Like Mm -hmm. this is coming to an end. I'm okay. I don't have to be in fight or flight anymore. You know, it was almost an instant relief. And I wish that more people would look at facets of their life. Like you have a choice to be in this or not, Mm -hmm. you know, like you don't have to, but I also understand it's like, you know, it's, it's like wanting to move, right? Like you've got all this stuff in your house and you know, you need to move your mortgage is too high. You want to save some money or downsides or whatever, but it just feels like a huge task, like a Mm -hmm. task that you don't want to do. So you just stay put, right? Mm -hmm. You never make the calls or you don't resign or you continue to resign a lease or, you know, whatever it is, you know, because it just feels too big. Like there's too many what ifs on the other side. You know, what if I quit my job and I never get a new one? You know, what if I go into financial ruin? What if, you know, I was just thinking that my spouse um, was a jerk and he's really not, you know what I mean? Like there's too many what ifs, but I really wish people would look at, you know, what they can control in their lives and what they can change. I always say like, change what's changeable, control what's controllable um, and know what those things are, you know? Um, where do you think the powerlessness that so many people experience, where do you think that stems from? Well, I'm going to give you the standard answer, childhood. <laughs> <laughs> <You know? laughs> 
<laughs> I think, you know, I, I think we run in these, um, Mighty Maca is a superfood drink mix full of 30 plus natural ingredients, and it was formulated by Dr. Anna Kabeca during her healing journey. Mighty Maca Plus ingredients, which include nourishing ingredients like organic maca powder, turmeric, quercetin, broccoli, parsley, trans resveratrol, pomegranate extract, and more, were carefully selected for immune support to sustain energy provide mental clarity and improve recovery. It also tastes delicious. It supports healthy detoxification and alkalinity in the body, balances hormones, fights free radicals, and neutralizes lactic acid, all while increasing your energy and vitality. It helps improve your digestion and reignites your libido. It's a powerful superfood drink mix that needs to be part of your daily routine. And Dr. Anna is offering my listeners 10% off your first purchase by using the link dranna.com slash Cynthia. That's 10% off your first per that's 10% off your first purchase by using the link dranna.com slash Cynthia. It's delicious and nutritious. Have you guys heard about a bioactive whole food on the market with 5,000 published research studies backing it? When my oldest son needed to go on antibiotics a few months ago, I discovered Armor colostrum and the benefits for him and his recovery from being on antibiotics have been instrumental in me now recommending this to my dairy non-sensitive patients and clients. Armor's colostrum strengthens immunity, ignites metabolism, fortifies gut health, promotes hair growth and skin radiance, and powers fitness performance and recovery. My son has mentioned to me over and over again how great his gut feels, how he has improved his digestion and gut function as well. Colostrum is a rich, exclusive source of immunoglobulins or antibodies that optimize our immune defense even during cold and flu season. And we know that mucosal barriers house over 80% of our body's immune cells, including including the antibodies IgG and SIG-A. And these immunoglobulins bind and intercept harmful particles like viruses, bacteria, and toxins, blocking them from crossing into the barriers into our bloodstream. And Armour's colostrum contains the highest levels of SIG-A and IgG to ensure your most fortified first line of protection. It's sustainably sourced. And it's important to know that you want to mix colostrum only with cold liquids or foods or dry scoop it into your mouth. This is also great for the oral microbiome. And we've worked out a special offer for my everyday wellness community where you can receive 15% off your first order. Go to tryarmra.com slash Cynthia15 or enter Cynthia15 to get 15% off your first order. That's T-R-Y-A-R-M-R-A.com slash Cynthia15. You definitely want to check it out. Patterns you know, of, we learn these things from early on, or maybe not even early on, you know, even high school or whatever, we learn them. And then we just go through life. Like, um, let's say I'm, I'm not enough. Right. And we just go through life collecting more evidence to support that worth and value stream that you believe. So now, now, you know, you're our age and you're just weighted down by this giant backpack filled with I'm not enough or I'm a failure or I can't. Mm -hmm. And it just seems too big to even move because before you know it, you're just crawling on the ground with this giant backpack of I'm not enough sitting on it, you know? Mm -hmm. 
And that's why like bringing this whole thing back full circle, like um, there's so many parts to this. There's, you know, there's different facets to mental well-being. It's not just, you know, nutrition. Mm-hmm. That's huge. It will take you to a place that you can probably now work on this. I'm not enough. Mm-hmm. But if you're weighted down by the I'm not enough backpack and you're filling your body with crap, you're not going to be able to, again, talk or think your way out of that. So I like looking at the nutrition stuff first, like let's balance you. And now we can get to work because now you're in a position of capability to do it, mm-hmm. you know, um, versus like nutritional deficiency um, and neurotransmitter deficiency. I'm curious. Have you read the book, Salt, Sugar, Fat? I have not. Um, should I? Book, yeah, you should. <laughs> well, it was, a, it was one of those books, Per Kelly. One more book. Yeah. My gets to kill me. Talk about this book again. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's one of those books, like I always say, it's one of the top five books that changed my life. And so I, despite being a well-educated Western medicine trained provider, I had zero idea how prolific the processed food industry was, you know, talking about the rise of the processed food industry and how these scientists who are paid a lot of money to create this junk food to be as addictive as possible and hearing how they have the bliss point and all these tests. And I mean, it's, it's depressing, quite honestly. Am I going to cry if I read this book? Like, like totally. No, no. I I think it's written very objectively, but you know, for me, it was like another layer to demonstrate why the food piece is so critical. And I probably read it around the time that Kelly and I did our, our functional nutrition program. And for me, it really did open up my eyes. I I think a lot of people just don't recognize how profoundly addictive that food is. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, you talk about food addiction, processed foods, they kind of go hand in hand and how that can then adversely impact both obviously physical health, but also mental health. I, I find it mm-hmm. endlessly fascinating and disturbing. What was it called again? I'm writing it down. It's called salt, sugar, fat. I'm going to have to, uh, I'll get that one. It's, it's worth it. Like I actually reference it. I've got highlighters. I'm like a gigantic dork. <laughs> I have, you know, pages, you know, folded over, you know, if I want to go back and like reference something specific, but Kelly's graciously allowing me to bring that up yet again. <laughs> I know you love that book. <laughs> I, I know do. you do. And first of all, I was going to say, did you guys write it? Because no, seriously. No, 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 <laughs> we need that. to be affiliates for it. Yes, exactly. Did yeah. you hear that? Affiliates for the book. Yeah, or, or The Unhealthy Truth. That's another great book that talks about the processed food industry. Again, no affiliation. We get no kickbacks. <laughs> right, right. It's, you just if you it. want to be a well-informed American, you should right. read the book. Read the yeah. book. Read the book. So we've talked about food a bit, a lot, and we've talked a little bit about beliefs and thoughts. And another topic that we love talking about is sleep. Can you tell oh. us how sleep contributes to the, the anxiety, depression that you see? You know, it's fascinating because, um, well, it's everything right? Like so much starts with your sleep. Mm -hmm. But again, I go back to there's like a huge resistance to change your sleep pattern. So this morning, I um, had to go to uh, for a checkup and the lady who was doing giving me the checkup was talking about oh her sleep. And I said, Oh, she goes, I just need to get more sleep. And I said, Oh, well, you know, she didn't know who I was. I'm like, well, what's your sleep pattern? Like, and she goes, Oh, it's pretty good. Like I go to bed around the same time, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, yada, yada. And then she goes, but you know, I fall asleep on the couch every night and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I get up way too early and all then she started like filling in all the blanks. And I was like, you know, I guess if we would stop believing that our 
sleep patterns are good, then we could actually make changes mm-hmm. with sleep. But I, I think we're like, well, I go to bed at the same time. I sleep on the couch. I, you know, eat ice cream before bed. And, you know, I don't know why I'm up at two o'clock in the morning every morning. Mm-hmm. I have no idea, you know? So when I talk about sleep, there's, again, there's this big resistance to wanting to change that, but I think that's just changing patterns, but it is instrumental to everything, um, to fighting stress, to just to not feeling fatigued, you know, um, do you know how many people come in to my office and they've gotten like sleep studies and things like that? And they're all on CPAPs and they're all Mm -hmm. doing these things. And I'm like, well, let's talk about you know, in our terminology, sleep hygiene, like, let's talk about like this whole thing, you know, and they're like, Oh, I'm good. I'm good there. And I'm like, but are you though? I I don't, I don't think you are, you know, I don't know. There's just this huge denial. Well, and I think there's this this acceptance, and and I was ironically talking about this this morning on someone else's podcast as a guest that there are these limiting beliefs ascribed to whether it's age, gender, etc., that we have to accept that we will have no energy, we will get fat, and we will not be able to sleep, and we will have hot flashes till we die. And so, <laughs> I want to change the rhetoric about that because none of the above should ever be acceptable. Like we shouldn't have to accept. Well, it's that, just because I'm aging. Correct. You know? well, I hear. I had patients tell me that. I have clients tell me that all the time, and it almost makes me want to cry, to be honest. But yeah. With that being said, it, these are limiting beliefs that we have propagated. And when we think about the majority of women, you know, we will live 40% of our lifetime after menopause. Like, I don't want to buy into those kinds of beliefs because I just don't find it valuable. And I don't think that it, it um, you know, it, it just kind of propagates this mindset that we have to just accept things as we are. Like we're powerless. That goes back back to we're, the power. We're not not even good enough. Like I'm not good enough to for someone to see that this is a problem for me and I need to change it. And mm-hmm. you know, I'm I'm thinking about this was after my son who is now 18 was born, you know, I was so tired and I mean he, he was probably like one or something. I was so tired, but I was still doing all the things, you know. I started my master's degree when I had an infant, a 6-year-old and a 12-year-old or <laughs> year old, I think. Yeah. Like, wow. I know I, I was doing all these things, but I went to the doctor because of that fatigue that I had, mm-hmm. like so fatigued. And I said, I'm so tired, like internally tired. Like I felt tired just, to your bones. Yes. Tired to my bone. And, and the doctor looked at me and he goes, well, you know, you've got three young kids and you're doing all this mm-hmm. stuff, you know, don't you think you should be tired? I'm thinking, but this doesn't feel the same. Like mm-hmm. it's not tired, lack of sleep, tired. It was like just internal tired, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. that was years ago. If, if I would have known, if I would have just taken gluten out of my life, like, of course I would have been mom tired, you know, <laughs> but <laughs> like, like, not like bone tired, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. but it just felt it. I mean, I remember that. And that was what, 17 years ago. But it was profound because now I think like how many people show up to the doctors and that's exactly what they hear. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. well, you should feel like this because you, you're aging or you've got a young family or you've got like, why do we take that as gospel? Like, why do we say mm-hmm. like, I guess it's OK for me to feel like crap every day. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, you don't have to feel that way, you know, but recognizing what you can do. No, people feel helpless, you know. Yeah. But you're doing something about it. So your new book is called Kick Off Your Damn Heels, How to Kick Anxiety and Live a Badass Life. Such a fun title. Can you give us a preview of what we can find in that book? So my book is not 
quite released yet. So it'll be coming, but it's just, it's basically, it's bits and pieces of my story, chapter by chapter. And it's also, I've got a whole chapter on sleep in there too. <laughs> sleep, gut, brain, like it gets a little sciency, but I try really hard to pull that back um, to, to meet the needs of who's reading it. But it's basically everything that I talk about nutrition from nutrition on. So I, I like to call it a top down approach to everything because I know the gut is extremely important, but if you don't have a brain, you don't have to worry about your digestion, do you? <laughs> you know, yeah. so, so I like to look at it like that from this, this place of top down. And also, you know, you can make big impacts just from doing some brain health things, getting some buy-in and then working on the rest of the body is extremely important, but that that's pretty much it. But I do, I disclose a lot of my own story in there in the very um, first parts of each chapter, just so you know, I, not that so people know that I've been there, but yet they understand like, wow, she gets it. You know, she, mm -hmm. she understands. Um, so that's what you're going to find there. Plus I have lots of uh, quotes from some pretty important people professionally that I know have volunteered to use some quotes in there too. Um, like gut health professionals and things like that. So I've brought that's in great. other people. It's not just me, which no, I, I appreciate. There's and also a chapter on yoga in there too. Yoga perfect. and mindfulness. Yeah. Well, I love that you have badass in the title because that's like my inner discussion with myself. Again, poor Kelly hears me talk about this all the time. But <laughs> your inner badass, I, like yeah, I am a badass. yeah. yes, totally. <laughs> I, I would argue we all are. <laughs> in our own ways, we are all that's badass. Right. That's right. <laughs> right. I'd rather be a badass than half-ass. So you know, I don't know. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah. Well, you'll definitely have to let us know when it comes out because we would love to, you know, be able to support. And if timing-wise, when this podcast comes out, if it comes out around the same time, we're happy to make sure Perfect. that gets facilitated. But I'd love for you to share with our listeners two tips to help them live their best life. Oh my gosh, I feel like I'm put on the spot now. <laughs> uh, you know, have a badass in your life, like one of us, that will be very helpful. Mm -hmm. um, you know, really, again, the biggest tip is going to be understand what's changeable in your life and go for it. Like if you know in your gut and in your heart that something has to change, you know what that thing is. Mm -hmm. Like go ahead and take the leap and change that thing. And the other part is, you know, just, I don't know, it sounds weird, but surrounding yourself with really good people. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, there's so many people in this world to choose from. Um, we don't have to keep those people that don't serve us well, uh, you know, internally around. There's people that kind of suck things out mm -hmm. of vampires. you. Vampires, yeah. right? Like that's probably been one of the most important things um, and to not be worried about, I don't have 15 good friends. If you have one or two really good ones, that is awesome. Keep those people close. You know, yeah. those would be two big things. But you know, another thing is just really get a good professional that you vibe with, you know, mm -hmm. um, that's important. Um, you, I tell people, you can fire me all the time. If you don't vibe with me, go find somebody you do, you know, so yeah. pick somebody good on your team. So such, a, such mm -hmm. important tips. Well, can mm -hmm. you tell people how they can find out more about you? Sure. So there's a couple of ways. So drterralyn.com, that's my website. Um, and the other one would be, um, well, you can go to my blog from 
Dr. Terilyn, not my blog, blah, blah, my podcast, um, <laughs> kick off your damn heels podcast from drterilyn.com. I'd like to say one final thing too, because I have a new project um, right now that's happening that I kind of want to share. Is that okay? Sure. If you tell me no, I'd be like, what? No. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so um, I partnered with Dr. Callie Estes and she is um, from the Addictions Academy. And we put out a supplement line right now that um, is in individual packets designed to improve brain health for people who are in specific addictions like um, opiate addictions and things like that to improve the brain health so you can recover faster, easier, and longer, right? Um, so improving the health of your brain, we kind of took the guesswork out of the whole deal. And um, that is called Pro Recovery RX. And you can find that at prorecoveryrx.com. Right now it's all addiction based and we're going to be adding a mental health component in there as well. So no more do you need 20 different supplement bottles on your counter and not knowing what to do with them. We've taken it all the guesswork out. So I love it. Yeah. Well, that sounds fantastic. And thank mm -hmm. you so much for carving a little bit of time out of your day to come and chat with our listeners. I loved it. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Everyday Wellness. If you loved this episode, please leave us a rating and review, subscribe, and remember, tell a friend. And if you want to connect with us online, visit the link in the show notes. Just as you carefully choose the cut of meat or freshness of produce that you cook at home, you should carefully choose chemical-free cookware that provides a healthy and safe cooking experience. The materials in 360 cookware are safe, sustainable, and of the highest quality. Their cookware is 100% free from any toxic chemicals as the company produces quality stainless steel cookware and bakeware without added chemicals, and all are manufactured in the United States. It's also the leading manufacturer that equips kitchens with cookware and bakeware that are free of all of the toxic chemicals and coatings, including PFAS, Teflon, and ceramic. And the best thing is that when used properly, the product's construction provides nonstick properties in a product that can be passed down through generations. Go to www.360cookware.com and use code CYNTHIA20 for 20% off your first order. Again, that's 360cookware.com and use code CYNTHIA20 for 20% off your first order. We've been using their products over the last several months and have really been pleased with not only the durability, but ease of cleanliness.